Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following podcast contains explicit language and content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Previously on Unraveled, Long Island Serial Killer. The search for bodies along Ocean Parkway intensified. More women were found. These women were decapitated and dismembered. And how does a guy get on the cover of Newsday for having sex with prostitutes and not be fired by the county executive? It actually says, did have sex while on duty in a marked police vehicle. On what planet is this okay? There's a bunch of people in Oak Beach that like to party and like to do certain things. She disappeared and... I don't think she accidentally drowned. So just because you're at these parties doesn't mean you're the Long Island serial killer, but there's a few guys that know everything. Now it finally came to light because someone escaped and was able to call the police. Ten bodies uncovered, and whoever's responsible is still out there. Do you want to start with how this entire thing started. It was a sex party. Police make mistakes. They're only human. But these weren't mistakes. He said your whole fucking family's done. If there's anybody who knows how to kill someone and get away with it, it's a cop. Somebody's just keeping the cover-up going. From ID and Joke Productions, this is Unraveled a seven-part podcast, we're going to show you that everything you think you know about the Long Island serial killer investigation is wrong. Over the past several weeks, we have uncovered some troubling information about the authorities who were trusted to solve the Long Island serial killer case. Also unsettling was the Suffolk County Police Department's controversial handling of the Shannon Gilbert case. 
Shannon was a sex worker who died under suspicious circumstances in Oak Beach. It begged the question, is there a connection between the community of Oak Beach and the Long Island serial killer? And were the powers that be covering it up? Alexis and I were alarmed by the stories we had heard about secret sex parties taking place within a few miles of where the victims were found. Most disturbing was that the stories involved powerful men in Suffolk County. We found individuals that knew about the sex parties, but they would refuse to give us details or go on the record. They were afraid, and that only made us more curious. After a lot of effort and a little luck, we finally found someone who had the courage to tell us about her experience at a Long Island sex party, just as long as we did not reveal her identity. So no one's going to know for certain that this was me, right? We're going to not show your face. We're going we're gonna to call you Jane. That guy is For reasons that will soon become problems. clear, the former sex worker we're calling Jane didn't feel safe meeting me in Suffolk County. So I agreed to meet her at a private location in New York City. I just don't want them to come after me. We're going to protect your identity. Jane has never given an interview before about her experience. Please be warned, it's graphic and sexual nature. Back in 2011, when Jane was a college student, she accepted a friend's invitation to go to what was supposed to be a fun party by the beach. When you walked into the party, what did you see? People were touchy-feely. You could tell that it was like a very relaxed kind of um, no-holds-bar atmosphere. People were getting drunk, people were doing drugs. It was just a hedonistic place to be. Jane saw about 30 guests and noted that there was an unmistakable sexual energy in the air. The men there were older. It almost seems like when you went into a strip club, you know how women sit in your lap or, you know, a guy's lap and try to, like, get what they can out of them. It was that same dynamic. Jane locked eyes with a man whom she felt looked important, and she was intrigued. I uh, saw the way he was looking at me, and, you know, I was easily influenced. At this party, did you know, did you know he was a cop? Yeah, I knew he was a cop. I didn't know that he was so high up. The cop that Jane is referring to is James Burke. At the time, Burke was leading the detective unit in District Attorney Tom Spoda's office. And he was just months away from being made the chief of police. The heavy flirtation between Jane and Burke intensified. It escalated and it, you know, it wasn't anything that wasn't consensual. So we went to the bathroom and um, there was some oral sex and he was a little aggressive and uh, I was kind of choking on his his penis and uh, it was causing me to tear up in my eye. I kind of told him to stop. Took him a little while to finally stop and he did. And you say that it wasn't an attack, you weren't forced? No. My eyes got all teared up and I was, you know, clearly uncomfortable and he could, you know, tell and I don't think he cared. And he threw money on me, you know, afterwards and he, you know, he said some nasty things to me. I think he was like, um, dirty whore, you dirty slut or something like that. It was quick. I wasn't disturbed by it again because I was so intoxicated by 
the person that I was dealing with. The fact that he was a cop, it uh, never should have happened. And um, that's that. But Jane wasn't alone in her experience that night. There was more than one person there having sex. I remember seeing them sitting on this guy's lap and they walked into the bathroom. They were like giggling and drunk and one of them was my friend. So I know they were having sex in there. She walked out and had money. It was a night that Jane will never forget. To this day, she lives in fear of the power Burke wields. But it also had a shocking impact on her life that we never expected to hear. And did things change for you after that encounter? Did your life change after that encounter with Burke? It changed my world for the worse, if it did anything. It conditioned me to, you know, trade sex for money or sexual favors for money. So, so yeah, it did change me. So Burke was really the gateway into that. I focused on school, and then my life started falling apart in 2014, and I had no money. I had no student loan money coming in, nothing like that. So I was like, fuck it. And I went on this um, website, and that's where I really made a lot of money. And um, obviously, I had that incident in mind, and I realized that I could make a lot of money doing this. And I decided that because of my experience with him. It was so easy. How did you feel after that first experience? Empowered, and I know that sounds very toxic, and it is toxic in hindsight. I felt powerful because my whole life I had been used by men, and, and now I was using them in my mind. I didn't realize I was still being used and abused, but it felt like the power dynamic had changed. After a couple of years in sex work, Jane figured out how this world worked. She was certain that the party where she had her encounter with Burke was no ordinary party. This party where this encounter happened was a sex party. I knew they were escorts because they were hustling men. Um, In hindsight, I know that that's what they were doing. I didn't know it was hustling when I got there because it was my first experience with that. But I know that that, in hindsight, was what they were doing. They were hustling guys. They were having sex, and they were significantly younger, which is typically the dynamic with sex workers on Long Island is, you know, they want younger, hotter girls, and they're all older guys. And she was confident that Burke knew that walking in. I mean, he assumed I was a sex worker because he gave me money and he called me a bad whore. Jane had also made the observation that most of her clients had similar personalities to Burke's. It's typical in sex work to see that kind of personality, and that's why sex work is so dangerous, because that personality can get so violent so quickly. They have jobs where they have a lot of power, a lot of control. They work in law enforcement. They work in law. They own big corporations. They like power. Was the power attractive? Yes. The power is absolutely attractive. Power is intoxicating. Knowing that you have people that are in powerful positions that you have encountered and that know you. Yes, it's absolutely intoxicating. 
I asked Jane for details on when and where her encounter with Burke took place. Well, um, it was in 2011. I think it was in August. It was in Oak Beach. Oak Beach. The same place where Shannon Gilbert was last seen running for her life just a year earlier. At the time of the party, Jane was oblivious to the fact that Oak Beach was just five miles down the road from where the six dead sex workers had been found on Ocean Parkway. She made the connection after the fact. It's unsettling in retrospect and in hindsight, you know, that, you know, so many people act, you know, recklessly and, you know, so close to where someone had died. You know, so many people probably were, you know, laying there dead um, or had, you know, been found a year prior. I mean, it was, it's unsettling. This realization, in part, helped her to get out of sex work, the fear that she too could end up as one of the victims of the Long Island serial killer. I was taking an extremely big risk. Yeah, that, that easily could have been me. Um, and, you know, it's just a, it's an incredibly dangerous thing. But like, there are girls that are not lucky. I was really lucky. Jane has moved on from her life as a sex worker, but that doesn't mean she feels her past is safely behind her. Are you afraid of James Burke? Yeah, I'm kind of afraid, so, yeah. Why are you afraid of him? Because um, he's got a lot of connections still, I'm sure. I mean, you know, he was the police chief of one of the largest police forces in the country, and there's still probably a lot of people that are loyal to him and don't really appreciate everybody, you know, ruining the party, I guess. So I don't really, you know, it makes me kind of nervous that he's around. I understand. What do you think it says about a system that allows for a person like Burke to become the most powerful cop in a police force? It's broken. The system is broken. There's no accountability. It's, it's bad. We already knew that Oak Beach was a community of about 70 homes. But we didn't know which of those residents were the ones throwing sex parties or how they might be connected to James Burke. But we were determined to find out. Do you know whose house you were at the night of those parties? I don't know people specifically who were there, like, by name. Remember, Jane was a college student at the time. I can understand how she could end up at a party and not necessarily know who owned the house. But I had an idea about how to find out. I opened up Google Maps on my laptop and zoomed into the street view of Oak Beach. Do you think if you saw the house that you would recognize it? Probably, yeah. She studied the screen, then pointed to it. Um, I know where it is. Um, Oak Beach Road. Yeah, it's right there. But where the pin is is where the party was? Yeah, it was behind him. It was in this, like, so if you're behind him, yeah, it was like right, yeah. Jane was confident that she recognized the house. So, so that's, that's the one where that's the Ocean happened. Parkway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the house is right here. Okay, awesome. And thank you so much. As soon as my interview with Jane was over, I began researching who owned the house that she had pointed to. And I couldn't believe what I discovered. Oh my God. Hold up. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. I'm very lucky to have a close relationship with my amazing mom, and I'm doubly lucky to be friends with some amazing moms. The thing is, this means that every year, right around this time, I get those panicked phone calls asking for Mother's Day gift recommendations from, obviously, their partners. So I was excited to learn about StoryWorth just in time for Mother's Day 2024. StoryWorth is an interactive way to preserve your loved one's stories for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question like, what do people get wrong about you? Or what's the most incredible trip you've ever been on? All your loved one needs to do is respond to that email with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. StoryWorth will send you a copy of your loved one's response. And after a year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and some photographs into a beautiful hardcover book that will last for generations. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. The moms in my life are big-hearted, hilarious, and they're all super storytellers. So they're going to love StoryWorth. I just know it. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com unraveled. That's storyworth.com unraveled to save $10 on your first purchase. The address of the house that Jane pointed to as the place where she had the encounter with James Burke at a sex party in 2011 is in the community of Oak Beach. Needless to say, we were anxious to go see the house. Having this address meant we had our first piece of tangible evidence on these illicit sex parties we've been hearing about. I've been mapping this out 
as you get off, now there's going to be a exit. Oak Beach is a small seaside community on the coast of Long Island, about an hour east of Manhattan. It is by nature and geography, a private community, and that's by design. So that's the Robert Moses Causeway right there. But Oak Beach is gonna be the first exit right before, uh, the last exit right before it. The man who designed it was the legendary Robert Moses. Moses was a master builder and a visionary who, in the mid 20th century, reshaped New York City and its environs. Moses made Oak Beach his second home, and he developed the area to be a private playground for people like himself, rich and powerful. Robert Moses was controversial. It's speculated that he went so far as to design all of the overpasses to the beaches so low that buses couldn't fit under them, keeping poor people away. This limited expansion and fostered a culture of secrecy. But after the discovery of the first four female bodies on the side of the parkway that leads directly to Oak Beach, the community suddenly found itself in the spotlight. Instead of showing outrage over the discovery in their backyard, the residents of Oak Beach showed little interest in what had happened to the victims. Property records reveal Oak Beach has been home to influential residents, politicians, wealthy entrepreneurs, heiresses, and there are apparent ties to organized crime families, all types that seek privacy and power. Once you've made it out to the barrier island where Oak Beach is located, there's only one road into Oak Beach and only one road out. Oak Beach. All right. So we are going to make a right in here, and then you have to make another. So this is where the gated part is. Private residents and guests only no trespassing. Except you can walk on the road. It technically isn't trespassing because it's not. It's all public property, and that's what's so weird about how they were able to pull this off with the gate. We arrived at the gate that Shannon Gilbert had passed through on the night the Long Island serial killer case technically began. May 1st, 2010. Many think this gate is what she was running to, hoping to find the exit in the pre-dawn darkness. But whether Shannon was so disoriented she actually ended up dying in the nearby marsh, as police suspect, or whether she was murdered, as many others believe, Shannon never made it back here. Her skeletal remains were discovered about a quarter of a mile away, in a thicket of bramble. We figured if we got there before sunset, someone would see us and let us in. But no. You're not able to get through the gate unless you're a guest of a resident. So we reached back out to Joe Scalise. You may remember Joe from our previous episode, when we spoke to him about Shannon's suspicious death. He immediately offered to let us in. So I just want to start with... How would you describe Oak Beach to somebody who's never heard of it or never been here? I love it here. It's my it's my home. It's like well, it's what I know. Was there a moment where things around here changed or shifted? Yeah, the the, the moment that uh, Shannon basically made that phone call to nine one one. It uh, it hasn't stopped, and there'll there'll always be a cloud over Oak Beach until uh, the Long Island serial killer is caught. It's a very unique, special place, and for that to be what it's known for is sad, and uh, it shouldn't be, because a, a, a handful of uh, people 
decided to make this their uh, playground for uh, some really bad stuff that they were doing. We thanked Joe and headed over to the party house that Jane had identified on Google Maps. At least according to Jane, we know that there was at least one party at this house with powerful people and sex workers. And I believe, did she say drugs were going on during that time too? Yeah, yeah. drugs were going drugs. on. Let's see. One. And this is where Jane had the sexual encounter with James Burke. Where he threw money at her and called her names and all of that sort of thing. This house is just not what I pictured though. It's really ordinary. This is not a Gatsby estate. The house blended in with the other 70 or so historic looking homes in the Oak Beach neighborhood. But it was well situated. But it is right on the water. The house was surrounded by several larger homes that had yachts tied to their docks. So I looked up information on this house, and I'm not going to say who owns it, but it turns out that this property has connections to individuals who work in the highest ranks of Suffolk County government. If Jane is telling the truth about the encounter with James Burke, and if Jane is telling the truth about which house the encounter occurred in, this house that we're sitting in front of, then this is explosive, because that means not only does James Burke have ties to this house in Oak Beach with sex parties, but so do these other high-ranking government officials. And we just, we just can't blast this house yet, because we need corroboration. That would make sense why Burke would want nobody looking at Oak Beach. Right, and it would make sense why people helped him make that happen, because that means not only is Burke connected to this illicit behavior, but so are other high-ranking Suffolk County officials. And we don't believe, to our knowledge, right, that the police have investigated this house quite yet. Yeah. So we got to do some more investigating before we can be sure. No, and that's the thing about this case is nobody's talking. So was this house a place where political associates partied with sex workers and police officers all a crazy coincidence? Or was this a missing link we'd been searching for? One that could explain how and why the list case never got solved? Here's Joe Scalise again, speaking to the prevalence of politicians and parties in Oak Beach. Well, there's always been political people that have lived here, politically uh, inclined or politically connected people that live here. Just like in regular politics, they use, uh, they use that power after a while, usually for the wrong reasons. What Joe was telling me aligned with what Jane had told me about the men she met at the sex party. The people that I met have political affiliations, and I mean, the man that Shannon ran away from, I mean, he had money. I mean, yeah, they all tend to run in those high, prominent, powerful circles. I don't think it's coincidental. We called our contact in local government, Rob Trotta. Trotta is a legislator in Suffolk County and a former Suffolk County detective. We wondered, did he have any information that could help corroborate what Jane and others had told us about the party house in Oak Beach? It was um, apparently a very, very close childhood friend of the And there was, you know, the rumors was he had fundraisers and parties at his house, and there were prostitutes there. There was a, a person I know who um, was friendly with Burke. He said he was at a party at this house at a fundraiser. So, you know, that gave it some credibility. And here's what's most disturbing to us about this house in Oak Beach. It's eerily close to where the first four Long Island serial killer victims were found in 2010. 
It's only about a 10-minute drive away. Joe Scalise thinks there's a direct correlation between the sex parties in Oak Beach and the fact that the killer's dumping ground lies just outside the community's gate. Well, there's smoke, this fire, and uh, if you can look at the whole case and know all the moving parts, it's basically a case where uh, things are what they appear, and, and but because the powers that be are in control, uh, no one's being you know, prosecuted. Would you be comfortable saying what you mean by that? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that uh, you have the chief of police down here with a prostitute, most likely doing drugs. So what does the public need to put two and two together here? I mean, what do they think happened to these girls? I mean, there was uh, over 10 of them found on the side of the parkway. I think you go to a party and people leave at different times and there was basically different levels of different people. You know, some people were there for the drugs, some people were there for the girls. I I don't think, uh, you know, just because you were at one of these parties, you necessarily were involved in the killing or uh, there were more than than one person that knew that exactly, you know, what was going on at these parties and what was happening to the girls. And it's not just Joe Scalise who says Oak Beach was an illicit playground. Billy investigated the community further and made contact with another former Oak Beach resident. And she had similar stories. Lisa agreed to talk to me, but not on camera. Did you ever hear of anybody having parties or anything like that? There was always parties over there. Yeah, I kept to myself because I was by myself, so I was scared. You have to realize there's no lights or nothing over there. Lisa says Oak Beach could be a strange and frightening place when the sun went down. Did you hear about Shannon when it was happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was pretty scary because those are the beaches we we went to our whole life. One night, I had a horrible experience. Some woman came screaming out of there and was running with no shoes on. And I, I just asked her, do you need help? And she just ran. Really? Which way did she run? She ran to the main road. No shoes on, nothing. Did you hear, do you remember anything that she said? No, she wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't even look at me. She just ran. Did anybody run after her? No. I just locked the door. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Actually, one of the cops one day was like talking to me and she said to me, um, how is it living here with the murders? And we were talking about what went on, and he said to me, Lisa, um, take my card, because if you hear anything about the murders, please contact us. She didn't have any more details than that, and says she never saw the woman again. But I can't ignore how eerily similar that scene sounds to the night Shannon Gilbert disappeared. Alexis and I really want to know, is there more that we should know about Oak Beach? And should we be looking here for more answers in the LISC investigation? Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Bye-bye. Interesting. Well, the place is messed up. So it really does reflect what everybody's saying, that it's just a culture over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you hear so many stories like this about partying and women, and it's just like... Is this just, like, the twilight zone of beach? Yes. If there ever was a place to make a crime mysteriously vanish, 
It's Oak Beach. So was James Burke using his position of power to cover up these crimes? We did some more digging and discovered Burke had a connection to another suspicious Oak Beach resident. And this resident is one of the very few persons ever to be named by Suffolk County Police as a suspect for the Long Island serial killer. Over the past few weeks, our look at Suffolk County's handling of the Lisk investigation has uncovered a corrupt connection between the top two men in law enforcement, the DA and the chief of police. Now that we had evidence connecting those at the top of the political power pyramid to illicit activity in Oak Beach, we wondered, what role did the former chief of police, James Burke, have in this possible Oak Beach conspiracy? We knew Burke was at one of those sex parties. But how deep was his connection to Oak Beach? And how far back did it go? I believe there are connections between James Burke and the people who live in the Oak Beach community that I have learned in my investigation. That's John Ray, the attorney for Shannon Gilbert's estate. He has always believed that Shannon's disappearance and death is connected to the murder victims found at Gilgo Beach. They were all sex workers. They were all more or less in the same level of sex work in their lives. They were all found in the same area. So who could look at this and say, oh, but none, all those things are coincidences. How could that be? What reasonable person could believe that? Are they connected to a police official? The evidence is pretty strong that they are. And at the top of Ray's list of suspects is Oak Beach resident Dr. Peter Hackett. You may remember that Dr. Peter Hackett is the man who drew suspicion to himself when he phoned Shannon Gilbert's mother after Shannon went missing. Burke knew the players everywhere, and the chances that he knew Hackett, therefore, were overwhelming because he was an up-and-coming police official and Hackett was a Suffolk County police surgeon. But Ray believes it was a cataclysmic event that happened on Long Island back in the 90s that first brought Burke and Hackett together. Dr. Hackett uh, claimed that he had participated in the recovery of the bodies of the TWA Flight 800 crash that took place back in the early 90s off of uh, Long Island. And he claimed to have gone to the site in East Mauritius to help the medical examiner recover these bodies. He was there. On the night of July 17, 1996, TWA Flight 800 mysteriously exploded over the coast of Long Island, killing all 230 passengers on board. In response... Suffolk County officials set up an emergency morgue to identify and store the bodies. In the late 90s, Dr. Peter Hackett was the head of Suffolk County Emergency Medical Services. Now, when ex-police chief James Burke is convicted of crimes in federal court, he has to go to sentencing and in order to lighten his sentence. He wrote in his pre-sentencing submission, in having gone to recover the bodies at the TWA East Mauritius site. So for him to have been there, at the same time Peter Hackett to have been there, they had to have known each other. The idea that Dr. Hackett, 
once a county medical professional and Burke, a top cop, would have known each other, sounded plausible to me and Billy. Well, again, please humor me in that Peter Hackett, okay, bragged a lot about working in the morgue during the TWA Flight 800 investigation. And we know that James Burke was working the security detail in the morgue for TWA Flight 800. Yeah, that is weird. It's just an interesting coincidence because they were both working in the morgue for TWA Flight 100. I think it makes a lot of sense. According to John Ray, the connection between Hackett and Burke could also be possibly linked to the fact that Oak Beach is where Burke not only played, but patrolled. When Burke was a a narc detective in the area of the first precinct, which included Oak Beach, he had an extremely well-connected relationship with all the people in the street in Oak Beach, well, in, in his sector which included Oak Beach. In 2012, Shannon's body was discovered 30 yards behind Hackett's house. Yet even with that coincidence, Hackett was cleared in connection with her disappearance. What's interesting about Burke and Peter Hackett is that every piece of evidence that I know of, and it's vast, uh, either points to their guilt or is neutral, but doesn't point to their innocence. That's extraordinary in itself. There's a bunch of Suffolk County police officers that were involved and stuff down here. And I think uh, if you look at this whole case, either the Suffolk County police um, is inept and not capable of uh, solving this case, or uh, there's a big cover-up. And I think it's the cover-up. Scalise isn't alone in his belief that Burke and other Suffolk County police officers were too compromised by illegal activities of their own to truly pursue evidence about whether the Long Island serial killer may have had Oak Beach affiliations. Our source, Jane, who ended up parting with law enforcement officials on more than one occasion in Oak Beach, sees the possibility. I don't think it's a coincidence. Someone in the department has to know what's going on. It's a cover-up of some sort. I do think that whoever is doing this has some police connection. They may not. We could be totally wrong, but it doesn't seem coincidental to me. Is it possible someone in the police department stalled the investigation as a way of covering up sins committed in Oak Beach? How is it that he is in charge of this investigation when he himself is a an addict of sex workers and has that reputation and facts that stretch back for years. Is the chief wolf hired to investigate the wolf that ate the chickens? That's what it looks like here. Burke is in there controlling that investigation for years until he's busted in his own crimes. You know, as time passes, memories fade, witnesses die, this happens, and they've gotten exactly what they wanted with this whole thing. We're, you know, it's 10 years later, and we're still trying to figure out. There was no reason for that stopping of that investigation. It was slowed down for a reason, and I'm not sure what it is, but it doesn't sound like a good one. 
Rob Trotta, a former detective himself, suspects the crime Burke is guilty of is far more serious than just letting the case grow cold. It screams there's something going on there. And I had a conversation with a federal prosecutor one time, and I go, do you think really Burke could have done it? And he looked at me straight in the eye and says, probably not all of them. So, I don't know what that means. I don't know that they, they think he did, or they suspect he did. This is the big question that's been hovering over this case for years. Is the former chief of police somehow involved in these serial murders? Most of the people we speak with who know James Burke are hesitant to talk about it. Is that because it's too outlandish to really consider? Or is it because, just maybe, there's some truth behind it? Here's a former officer we spoke with. At his request, we're not revealing his identity and his voice has been altered. He's, uh, you know, he was my buddy. And he just, he had a drug problem. He had a woman problem. He had so many issues. That's... Do you think he was a, a sex addict? I know he was. But I didn't know anything about what being a sex addict was back then because subsequently I researched it. Oh, yeah, for sure he was. <laughs> Did you ever hear from Burke that he would go to uh, sex parties? They all did. I mean, yeah. Who? Uh, me. <laughs> Everybody. You know, you grab a girl, it's not, it's not as crazy as you think. Did he Did he engage in, in prostitution a lot? Well, I don't know. But I know, you know, he likes strippers. <laughs> and they, uh, you know, they don't exactly, uh, you know, they work overtime, you know, so they, they do it all. Mm. The reason why I'm talking, to tell you the truth, because there's a part of me that thinks this fucking guy killed. And that's just the truth. I just, you know, my instincts are, let me tell you something. I sat across from a lot of killers, a lot. And (laughs) I tell you, man, he has that vibe, you know? He just has it. And when he gets drunk, I know how he just, so I could just see it. I could see it. And that's why, just in case it's true, um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't have proof. Like, how would I know, you know? But my instincts kind of say that if he doesn't know, he knows something. Is it possible that James Burke was the, or one of the, Long Island serial killers? Let me tell you. If there's anybody who knows how to kill someone and get away with it, it's a cop. The myth of a loyal and serial killer is as big as it is and maybe even get bigger because the chief of police of the 11th largest police department in the country is a suspect in the murder. It was a serious allegation. So we put the question to the current DA of Suffolk County, Tim Seney. It's no secret that James Burke has been proffered as a suspect uh, in this case. And uh, certainly any information that comes from the public, whether it relates to uh, people who engaged in sex parties at the beach or uh, any other type of information does get looked into by the Suffolk County Police Department and now the FBI as well. After Burke was arrested, Suffolk County cleaned house and installed a new regime of officers to lead law enforcement. 
But can we trust them to actually investigate Burke or any of the other possible suspects in Oak Beach? Does the arm of the law reach all the way to the top of the political pyramid? This new guard of officers still answers to Steve Ballone, the same powerful politician who hired Burke as chief of police in the first place. And he agreed to talk to us. You can hear what he has to say on next week's episode. Coming up on the next episode of Unraveled. If you look at what this corrupt operation has done, that's sociopathic in my view. And the impact they've had on people's lives and on this county is incalculable. Yeah, but, but Steve, the thing is, is that Burke didn't answer to the DA. Burke answered to you. You were his boss. So investigation ultimately falls on your shoulders. This case is solvable, but it's solvable with new information from the public and phone analytics. They wanted to subpoena a cell tower, and that subpoena has to go through Jimmy Burke, and he denied it. Is there anything on those tapes that is going to surprise people? There will be many things on those tapes which will absolutely stun people. Today, we are releasing the first piece of new information, a significant piece of evidence found at one of the crime scenes along Ocean Parkway. Why reveal it now? It might trigger something in somebody. You can hear male voices on the tape, and they are calm. Outrageously false. Her demeanor on the tape was calm. Gilbert was not about to be murdered. False. Outrageously false. If you have information or anything you want to share about the Long Island serial killer case, we'd like to hear from you. Email us at unraveledtips at gmail.com. Unraveled is produced by Joke Productions for ID. The executive producers of this podcast are Joke Finciun, Biagio Messina, and Jeff Kuntz, along with myself, Alexis Linkletter, and Billy Jensen. Executive producer for ID, Thomas Cutler. Additional producing and writing by Margaret Aronson. Our editor is Aaron Frisha. You can also submit anonymous tips to the Suffolk County Police Department by either calling Crime Stoppers at 1-800-220-TIPS or by visiting their website, gilgonews.com. The music and score that you've heard in this podcast is by Biagio Messina, Dave Pellman, and the Alibi and Nimble Libraries. Make sure to check for episode six next week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps a lot when you subscribe, rate, and review the podcasts that you enjoy listening to. Thank you for listening and for your support. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.